0: Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off-Tackle Empire! Welcome back to our summer
1: preview series here on Off-Tackle Empire. I'm Steve Braun. I'm Andrew Krusheski. Time now for the most solemn and important of our previews. And
0: this can only be accompanied by a certain Win, Fight Tribe Brewster of the Week, and that is from Saugatuck Brewing Company, the uh, blueberry lemonade shandy which uh, is bright blue and yellow can and you know what I'll tell you what right here in the spring this looks not only terrific right now but like it's going to continue to be terrific and it's got nowhere to go but up
1: yeah, definitely. Once the weather turns, you know, we're definitely not going to see this beer fall off the table, just disappear into the ether as though it never existed. No, the hype for this beer is going to carry right on through the end of the season. I can't wait to see it in action for at least the first week.
0: Yep, all summer we're going to be talking about how great this is. You can almost call this the Shea Patterson of beers, uh, which, of course, brings us to the Michigan Wolverines.
1: So looking back at 2017, fair to say disappointing, Yes. So we end up at 8-5, and five, we end up losing the last three games we play. I mean, what is Michigan's best win from last year? Is it a 7-6 and six Purdue team, or is it a Florida team that was considered pretty good at the time and ended up firing their coach about a month later?
0: Well yeah, Purdue is almost certainly the... the it, it, it's one of those two, although Air Force <laughs> ended up being respectable.
1: Sure, and then if you want to view last year's results as a microcosm of where Michigan is now and has been for the last several years... Consider what the most important win they had after the month of September was. Uh, That would probably be, what, your your overtime win against Indiana on the road? Or would it be your home win over a Minnesota team that had zero functional quarterbacks last year? No marquee wins to speak of. Except the first half of the Outback Bowl. (laughs) Yeah, if only they only played two quarters of an Outback Bowl. Man... I watched most of that game and it was the biggest waste of time. But it was the perfect New Year's Day game. So it's like you know what I I am hungover and this game is a hangover. That's what this feels like. It's a, it's a hangover without the without the pleasant joy of ever being drunk to begin with. So year three of Jim Harbaugh, fair to say, it did not go according to plan. Uh, we had a couple more quarterback injuries. We had the spinning carousel of quarterbacks in part because of those injuries. But, of course,
0: even before those injuries, the backup quarterback was a very, very popular figure until the backup became the starting quarterback, and then his backup became the next savior.
1: Yeah, and in that way, Michigan fans, I guess, are no different from any other football fan base ever, but they actually got to see their wishes come true, and they found out they didn't really like what they saw.
0: Don't meet your heroes, especially if your heroes are John O'Korn and Brandon Peters.
1: So, yeah, and, you know... At times, Brandon Peters looked okay, but then you look back at what those games were, that three-game stretch against Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota. It's like, well, yeah, of course he looked okay. Any team with a functional run game like Michigan's would have been able to put such severe safety wheels on him that he didn't have to do anything. Um so that being said, Peters also then got dinged up for the end of the year. So the last couple games were played out by O'Corn.
0: No, John,
1: no. Had, if you no, John, no. If you haven't watched Netflix's uh, whatever they uh, call Amazon it. Prime, uh, Amazon, okay, uh, my um, mistake.
0: All or nothing. The Michigan Wolverines.
1: Spoiler alert: It turned out to be nothing. Yeah, John O'Corn. He's going to end up taking the blame for that Ohio State loss. And to be fair, to be give him credit, he he owned up to it in the press conferences afterwards saying, oh, yeah, that's, that loss is totally on me. But I
0: don't know. Uh, you know, I never I, – maybe I'm just a soft guy, but I never really I, – I try my best to not blame the players that much because it fundamentally falls on the coaches to do the most that they can with the players that they have. And
1: you, you got to like, train your, your players to make the – the easy decisions. You can say whatever you want about that Ohio State game, but here's the simple truth of it: It would not have made a difference in the ultimate accomplishments that Michigan's got hanging in the practice rooms or wherever you put your off-season list of things we accomplished, uh, anyway. Because by then they were already out of the Big Ten East race again, and again they could not. Eat. This time they couldn't even get on the medal stand. This was a fourth-place finish in a year when really there was no excuse for it because they had. Uh, Michigan State at home. They had Ohio State at home. Yeah, they had to have a trip to Wisconsin and to Penn State. But, hey, Penn State's your division. You're going to have to play them every year. And Wisconsin is technically still in the same conference as you, even though you hadn't played them for the previous decade. So I could see how you might forget that. Of course,
0: on on one hand, you know, yeah, of course, a win against Ohio State is going to mean a lot more to you than just the standings. And if you think that a win against Ohio State there uh, last year isn't going to be a thing you're going to talk about for a long time, ask any Iowa fan about Ohio State. But on the other hand, I thought Michigan aspired to be more than Iowa.
1: Yeah, so I think what we've gotten to here then is last year we can definitively label as a failure. Turn the calendar ahead to this year. It feels like everything's kind of tamped down a little bit. They've taken another off-season trip to Europe. It's gotten substantially less press coverage here in Southeast Michigan than the previous couple of trips did, which, to be be honest, is an act of mercy from a, a tender and loving God because if I had to read another puff piece about Jim Harbaugh taking the boys to meet the Pope or whatever. Uh, I was going to put my foot through my radio, so it's just as well that those stories have come to a little bit of uh, of a diminution. Hi, Moon. Hi, Moon. (laughs) We're joined now by a special guest broadcaster, Moon. It's okay, I I wouldn't have anything to say about Michigan's offseason either. (laughs) So we're coming into year four now, the media furor has quieted a little bit. But to be honest, it feels like this really should be Michigan's best team. And you look at what they have coming back and what they're bringing off of a red shirt from last year where they had an excellent recruiting class that they didn't really play a whole lot of guys from. There's really no, there's no excuse this year. And yes, the schedule is difficult. Again, if you're in the Big Ten East, your schedule is usually going to be pretty tough. Michigan's got to do something this year, don't they? I mean, if they don't, what is the point here? How long does Harbaugh really need with his $15 million coaching staff to win at one of the easiest places to win in college football? You know, last
0: year, of course, you can say it was a, uh, was a failure. Uh, you know, going into it, Michigan fans wanted to, you know, were a little bit wary of how much they were going to lose, but, you know, year three is always supposed to be a big thing. I would actually argue that this team coming in might not be as talented as that 2016 team with the with the whole NFL class on defense there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a toss-up between those. The difference is, of course, who recruited those players. This sure. is a Harbaugh class.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... That 16 class was mostly upperclassmen from Hoax, excellent couple of recruiting classes he had early in his tenure. Um, then last year we saw, with a lot of those guys gone, there was sort of a blend of the last of the hope guys plus Harbaugh's younger guys. Now it's pretty much all Harbaugh's guys. They're older and you've got the first wave of guys that he was able to recruit from the beginning himself. Again, gonna be playing a much bigger role this year. So again, there should not be any excuses this year.
0: Yep, year four is the team that isn't that you're waiting for as a as a fan to see the team in your coach's image when you get that hire. So, so you can't get pimp slapped by Penn State like you did last year.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll walk through the schedule week by week in a bit, but to go sort of over the depth chart here first, again, you're gonna see a theme here in every skill in every group that we go through. We got a lot of guys coming back. Now the one exception here is that quarterback where the two guys who played most of the year last year, Wilton Spate and John Corner, are both gone. But to be honest, those guys really weren't that good. Uh, and obviously there's the marquee transfer, maybe in all of college football this season, in Shea Patterson coming in from Ole Miss, where I'm sure he had no knowledge uh, of, oh, here, here are my winnings, uh, of anything you know imp- <laughs> improper going on at Ole I'm Miss. I'm
0: shocked. Shocked to find that gambling is going on in this establishment.
1: That being said, he's eligible for this year. Um, It'll be interesting to see how quickly he transitions from Ole Miss, which was sort of a wide-open, slinging-around offense, into what Michigan does, which is considerably less. Uh, It's also going to be interesting because Michigan's shuffled the deck in their coaching room. So we don't exactly know what Michigan's offense is going to look like this year. It's probably not going to be too dissimilar from what we've seen, multiple tight ends, lots of multiple back sets, fullbacks and all that. Um, Because after all, that's how Bo would have wanted it. So there may be some differences in the offense schematically. We've got a new guy. Okay, so I guess we should mention here that no, it is not yet determined that Shea Patterson is going to be the starting quarterback, but come on. Does anyone really think that he came here with anything less than the clearest of ideas that he was going to be the starter?
0: No, absolutely not. And what's interesting is that I think that uh, one of the reasons that Patterson might succeed even if Things break down around him is that he's shown he's shown the ability to improvise and he has some wheels compared to Michigan quarterbacks under Jim Harbaugh. So, which means that he might be able to to take things and and even when you know the play hasn't been as designed, he he didn't know exactly what to do. There wasn't the rapport with the receivers. He still might be able to actually uh, make some things happen just by himself.
1: Yeah, and of the other three options, Peters is the only one that we've seen any of, and I'm sure that. We're going to have to keep a counter of how many times people get Patterson and Peters confused, but... Peterson. Um, <laughs> if, if, if there was a... I'm surprised that the incoming freshman didn't have to be named Peterson, because that would just... Let's well, just make things as clear as we possibly can, so... Shanday Peterson. So, Peters is the only guy we've seen. He is of the statue variety. The other two quarterbacks on the roster, Dylan McCaffrey, former five-star future Heisman winner, um, is coming off a red shirt. He obviously hasn't played, and incoming freshman Joe Milton enrolled early, but if the solution at this point is to discard all these other options and go to the true freshman, then I don't know what exactly you've been doing these last couple of years. Both of those guys are listed as pro styles as well, which probably means neither of them is going to be moving much. So yeah, if you want to cover up your issues in pass protection, you may want to end up going with Patterson based on that alone. Looking at the skill positions around him, most guys are coming back. They lost um, a pretty good fullback from last year, but you know they've been able to plug in new guys at fullback. I mean, Khalid Hill was more than a fullback in that he actually was very effective from the goal line for them. He probably scored at least seven or eight touchdowns in the, in the two years that he played extensively. But they've got both of their running backs returning the two primary guys, Higdon and Evans. Most of their receivers are coming back. I don't think they lost anybody who played in the receiver group, really. Um, Tarek Black coming back off of an early season foot injury is going to be big for them. And then you got to love the athletic potential of Donovan Peoples-Jones, even if most of the time he didn't really look like he knew how to play uh, the game of football all that much. He was just a big, fast guy, which, hey, you can teach a big, fast guy to catch the ball and you've got something.
0: Yep, ask Al Davis about that. Uh, You also cannot count out Eddie McDoom, only because I really wanted to say Eddie McDoom.
1: I left it there for you. I was hoping you'd come right to it, and you did. Um, Grant Perry was decent in the slot. Uh, The tight end group is going to be good with McCune and Gentry both back and some good depth behind them. So again, skill positions, whoever it is that starts a quarterback is going to have plenty of options. But the problem and the problem that's been, I mean, basically since the last days of Lloyd Carr has been with creating a functioning offensive line. And this time around what we've got is good depth on the interior. They should be really good. I mean... We've met, I mentioned here before we started that they lost their two best guys from last year, but one of them was Patrick Kugler, and the guy they have replacing him, Cesar Ruiz, I like a lot. I think he's going to end up being you know a sort of a Remington candidate type guy. They were good at both guard positions last year, especially when they had run heavy game plans, but once again, the problem here has been an offensive tackle. They have a returning sort of starter in Juwan Bushelbeady, who was Bushelbeaten off the edge and pass protection a hell of a lot um Mason Cole, their best offensive lineman is gone at left tackle so they kind of have a returning starter at tackle but they've not had a solution there for a number of years they have to, they have to find a solution at both spots maybe Bush will be improves enough that he's one of the guys they have multiple kids coming off of red shirts we could list their names, but it doesn't matter because nobody's seen any of these guys play. And they have a couple of incoming freshmen as well. But again, as we kind of mentioned with the quarterback, if your solution at left tackle in year four is to throw a true freshman in there and he's not, you know, Cam Robinson or Orlando Pace, which neither of these guys are, then what has gone wrong to this point? Why don't you have a better option ready there?
0: Well, you also have a pretty decent core of running backs. Uh, of course, Chris Evans uh, spared by Thanos, so that's. Very, very good for the Wolverines. Sends
1: uh, up well, two, so. a sequel too, because he's got eligibility left after this year. So,
0: yeah, providing that, uh, providing that this is in fact the ideal world that uh, Thanos wants to create. Uh, Karan Higdon, we we haven't really seen since the end of Infinity War. So, or not? I keep I get the names of the movies all confused. Uh, and and really, I'm not sure. Did Karan Higdon die in the comics, or I don't know. Um, in any case, we're. For for all we know, he is going to be part of this one-two punch. Look, as much as you might
1: hate it, the the spot was good, and the spot is canon. So it's not going to change, and whatever we want to do to retcon it after the fact... that's. I was
0: bitterly disappointed by that. I was bitterly disappointed. So anyway, on defense, uh, Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary. Now, let's move on to everything else that will happen on defense.
1: Yeah, the truth is, Rashawn Gary is probably the guy who's going to get the hype because he's the former top... Two or three, whatever, overall recruit. He's the presumptive early departure. He's the probable first round pick. Um, There are better college players around him who are not going to get their due because of that. We saw that with Maurice Hurst last year. Um, Chase Winovich came back for his senior season and a mild surprise. I don't know how much in demand he would have been in the NFL, but he's a perfectly capable player and. With Gary bookending him, that pass rush is going to be solid. They have Aubrey Solomon coming back in the middle. And, a lot again, a lot of guys, especially on the defensive line, coming off of red shirts who are very promising recruits. So they're going to be really good up front once again, which continues a the theme. Is this defense going to have to carry all the water for this offense against every good team they play? The answer is probably going to be
0: yeah. Kaleek Hudson did an awful lot. Uh, from. The, he was all over the field last year. The Viper position, uh, I told that they were stopping production of that in 2017, uh, and reconfiguring the Detroit plant, but uh, apparently (laughs) they are, in fact, going to continue to produce the Viper, at the very least, to play in the Wolverines' front seven.
1: Yeah, and Kalik Hudson is another sort of secret of this Michigan defense that doesn't really get the pub that he should, because if you want to know the truth, he plays that position better than Jabril Peppers did. Yeah, I said it. Hey, it doesn't matter. He doesn't
0: have the upside that Jabril Peppers does, and you know... You can't even imagine how good this team's going to be once they can figure out a way to use Jabril Peppers properly, like maybe as a brand ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll
1: have him come back for the coin flip at halftime. Uh,
0: or would that be improper benefits? You know, if,
1: if not having the same ceiling as Jabril Peppers means he doesn't have to get drafted by the Browns, then I think that might ultimately be better for Hudson in the long run. Uh, but with him and with Devin Bush back at linebacker, they should be fine there. They do lose a senior in Mike McCray there, but if you uh, watch that Penn State game, you know that... There was a little bit of a chink in the armor in Michigan's defense, and that was Mike McCray in coverage on guys like Saquon Barkley. And granted, not every team has a Saquon Barkley, but the point stands. Putting a guy like him in coverage was a problem for Michigan last year. They probably have more athletic options this year. I could throw a couple names out there again, but they're not going to be guys who have heard, you've heard of before because Michigan really didn't rotate out of their base defense much last year. The guys who started played a lot, and that's why I think they could be substantially better this year than they were before because they've got a lot more they should at least have a lot more options especially in the front seven
0: and of course the man who single-handedly powered the offense returns uh, Quinn Nordine who without whom they probably don't beat Air Force he kicked an awful lot of field goals early in the season
1: it's I mean it's nice to have a place kicker that you know is good out to and beyond 50 because there aren't many college teams who can reliably say that
0: um, you just wish that you didn't have to uh, see so many reps from him against, uh, well, really, everybody.
1: Right, and you know, I wonder if this might be the year for his Heisman campaign, because if it's not him, then honestly, who is it? Who is the September Heisman for Michigan this year? I mean... You mentioned Gary, but he's a defensive <laughs> tackle. I mean, not even in Dominick and Sue managed to get the trophy. It was probably one of the bigger...
0: Well, yeah, you know, the big problem
1: problems of recent Heisman Trophy voting, but...
0: Well, I mean, probably all time, if we're honest. Um, Probably the worst snub since that time that Paul Horning on a, what, (laughs)
1: 2-8-1 Notre Notre Dame
0: Dame. team got it over Jim Brown, who was Jim Brown. But anyway, really it's hard to see if, it's hard to see Shea Patterson being that September Heisman guy because of that first game against Notre Dame is probably not, he's probably not going to put up like a crazy Denard-esque stat line that'll, you know, vault him to the top of the Heisman rankings after week one.
1: Yeah, but also before we get into the schedule, the last thing we should mention is the defensive backfield where, again, you've got a premier combination here with Levert Hill and David Long at the corners, and then you've got a big liability because the safeties were repeatedly toasted in coverage last year. It wouldn't surprise me if we see another new face or two get into the shuffle there because, man, they were a problem a lot of the time on a defense that otherwise was pretty good and at times was impenetrable, but you also kind of saw that when things went bad, they went bad in a hurry. When you, If you want to look at obvious impact guys in this recruiting class, there really aren't that many. As we mentioned, last year's recruiting class was excellent, and they kept the red shirts on a lot of those guys. They didn't have a lot of departing starters. Michigan has it's got to be in the top 10, if not top 5 nationally, for returning production. I would guess both offensively and defensively, because there just weren't many guys that left. Uh, they had some guys who could have gone pro and decided to return. I mentioned Winovich earlier. Not a lot of obvious impact guys in this recruiting class. It's also maybe kind of a half step lower, you know, lower, less re- well regarded than some of their recent classes have been. You probably see a couple of these guys get in there on special teams or what have you, but nah, I can't really point any of these guys out and say he's obviously going to play right away and have a big impact. Which isn't to say that none of those guys are good, it's just that, again, they've kind of got a roster set up in front of them that they're not going to need many of these kids right this season.
0: Right. And of course, you know, we get to this whole thing that we've talked about where if you don't have more than half of your roster uh, as blue chip players, then you're all but ineligible to win the national championship. But uh, as far as the way that the roster is built, it's not that this isn't a quality recruiting class. It's just that the roster is so stacked in front of them that this recruiting class won't impact this team. You know, if, or if, if it does, then something has gone wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. You could have a rash of injuries at one spot or another. Um, maybe some some surprise transfer or a disciplinary issue, or whatever. But barring those types of things, which could be in the air for any team, uh, we wouldn't expect to see these guys on paper. So you mentioned, of course, the what's probably going to be one of the you know without checking what else is out there. I, I can't imagine there's going to be many other more tradition laden matchups. The first this is going to be
0: a top ten game. Let's be honest with ourselves. I don't care where Michigan is in the AP poll right now. We'll, They're not we'll, going to be able to help themselves. We'll,
1: we'll squeeze them in the eight or nine. To get, and we'll put. But...
0: We're going to go ahead and put Oklahoma number one just to make sure that they don't win the title again. <laughs> uh, and Michigan's going to sneak up to five or so. And Notre Dame is probably going to sneak up, roughly
1: the same level. Yeah, because if you're not watching Notre Dame, you know they lost them couple of notable pieces on the offense but their defense is going to be really really good next year because of the struggles that both teams have on offense this could look like an ugly game on paper but it's probably going to be pretty high quality especially if you're in favor of defensive football um now, it's at, it's at South Bend. We haven't seen Michigan win these big road games recently, and I do think Notre Dame's defense is going to be just a half-tick above Michigan's defense. I think their offense will be considerably better as well, although they yet again have a quarterback controversy. That's another, I mean, I guess whoever they end Who's up going challenging with. challenging Wimbush? Uh, Ian Book, the backup. He played a couple games last year. Uh, he can probably throw, right? Yeah, uh, probably more. So, I mean, more so than Wimbush. At least. So
0: it's probably a thing where you want to take his upper half and put it on Wimbush's lower half, and then you got a quarterback.
1: <laughs> Outside of that, the other non-conference games unremarkable. The ghost of PJ Flex Western Michigan, which is which we will expect to fall back to our typical levels next season, um, as well as Southern Methodist at home. But then because of last year's favorable home road schedule split, this year things kind of come back with a vengeance. They get Nebraska this year out of the. the Cross division, which you know, again, if you're looking at last year's results, it's not going to be much. But I don't think anyone expects the Scott Frost Huskers to be as bad as the teams we've seen in the last few years.
0: Nevertheless, it's hard to expect that they'll be
1: what you might call something to be concerned about this early. No, that's a game that Michigan should win. It's probably not going to be as easy as it would have been in the last couple of years. They do get the trip to Northwestern, which was a good team last year, but again, Northwestern in September, not the same team that they are later in the season. So if you're going we to keep them,
0: hammering on this meme, but Man, you know Dude, we've just it's been true. watching. Else yeah, to it's it.
1: incredibly true. So you get Northwestern at the time when you want to play them, and then there's this.
0: Well, there's also this massive streak that uh, they've got over Northwestern too. But uh, was it uh, was Rich Rodriguez the last Michigan coach to lose to Northwestern?
1: Probably. Rich Rodriguez was is the answer to a lot of Michigan loss streak well, questions. Brady. So. <laughs> Ho- point of being, Brady Hoke went
0: four and zero against him.
1: If they play every year, did well that would have been the previous division configuration. But oh, yeah,
0: the 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 where is Wisconsin division and why is Wisconsin here division? Yeah,
1: so back when in the where is Wisconsin division, um, Michigan Northwestern would have played every year, I guess. Yeah, so the important, I mean, the linchpin area of the schedule here though is going to be this three-game slate with the bye game inserted in there, where they're home against Wisconsin, then they go to Michigan State, they get a bye week, and then they host Penn State. That road game at Michigan State, by the way, is the first ever night game. Did they play at night last year? I don't remember. They might have played at night. Yeah, last year was a night game. Yeah. That storm rolled through. But it's the was, I don't know
0: if it was supposed to be a night game, was no, it? No, it
1: was. And then that typhoon rolled through in the middle of it, and Jim Harbaugh called like a zillion pass plays in a row. Uh, you know, he's a quarterback whisperer. Oh, that wasn't the one
0: with the delay. It was the Penn State game from right, Michigan State that had to right. Right, <laughs> it was, okay. the Penn State one. Was I can never be, remember but, which, which yeah. Michigan State game had the really stupid weather.
1: Uh, it's all Wisconsin at home this time. Then you go to Michigan State for a night game, and if you if you think that's gonna be anything less than a frenzied horde at Spartan Stadium, then you don't know this matchup.
0: Really, if you're uh, no matter what Michigan State has done to that point, if you're a Michigan fan and you expect to beat Michigan State, like just fully expect that you'll win this game. Prepare to be
1: surprised. In fact, the worst Michigan State has done to that point, the more trouble you would be in as Michigan, if anything else. Because if there's nothing left to play for, you better believe. I mean, even more so than usual, you're going to get everything in that game. So you have those two games back-to-back. You get a week off to think about the result of the Michigan State game, whatever it was, and then you host Penn State. Before a couple easier games and then wrapping up with a trip to Ohio State.
0: Well, of course that Ohio State game is going to be coming off an overtime win against Indiana, where
1: only one you, overtime. <laughs> uh, I mean, if Michigan's <laughs> lucky,
0: one overtime. The point being,
1: you know, how we're much? Well, I mean, in order to get closer to beating Michigan without actually doing it, would we? Would they have to just play additional overtimes, or would something about the overtime have to be close? Or I guess it could be a field goal in overtime instead of a touchdown to decide it.
0: Point being, that's a really tough position to put the Michigan players in to have what essentially amounts to a short week because you're going to be playing so many overtimes in your win against (laughs) Indiana before that Ohio State game.
1: What do you see the result being for this Michigan team here?
0: Well, I can definitely find at least eight wins, but I can't see a win at Ohio State occurring. Um, I can't see them beating Notre Dame. Wisconsin, I really don't see them beating Wisconsin either, so...
1: Well, alright, so here's, we can, we'll categorize these the way we have in the past. In my mind, there are seven games on this schedule where if it's a loss, it's a disaster for Michigan. That's Western, that's Southern, that's SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern, Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana. If they lose any of those games, that's a big, big problem, and it's probably going to wreck their season, especially if it's any of those last four, the ones in conference. So they've got to win all seven of those games, and I think they really should. Michigan season in my line comes down to how they do against the five remaining opponents, the five on paper better teams that they're playing. Although, to be honest, Northwestern really should be in this yeah. category. by the end little... <laughs> of the season,
0: by the end of the season, Northwestern will be better than Michigan. I mark my words. But just, when yeah. they play, they Michigan will... will be
1: far superior. Yeah, and unfortunately, I would think we'd probably chalk that up as a Northwestern loss because again, earlier in the season, um, we just... beat it to death, but prove us wrong. And so I think Michigan's season is really going to be defined by those five games where you've got the one, the opening weekend of the season, and then you have to wait another month, well, a month and a week before you tip off against Wisconsin. So do they win all five of those games? No, not a damn chance. Not a damn chance. Do they win four of those games? Probably not. Um, I think you can put Ohio State in the loss column until we see otherwise. And granted, they've played the margin a little closer than we would think the last couple of years, but I think that's a loss. Um, I do think Michigan State's gonna beat them this year because you always get Michigan State's best game It's in East Lansing. Of the three remaining games, Notre Dame is the least important But it might be the one that sets the tone for the rest of the season because if they lose that game They're probably already gonna be counted out and that might actually be a good thing because it takes a little bit of the pressure off of them It gives them cause to focus a bit to realize that maybe they do need to continue putting the work in if you win that game Maybe that's not the case but, yeah, I, I don't see them doing any better than 3-2 and two in those five decisive games, and that would be a stretch because, again, who do they have a clear advantage over? I mean, do they do you like them over Penn State because of the loss of firepower that Nittany Lions had at the skill positions? Probably not because their defense is going to be a lot better, and they've still got McSorley. Do you like them over Wisconsin? No, because Wisconsin returns their entire offense minus one or two guys and most of their really good defense. So Yeah, Wisconsin linebackers grow on trees. Yeah, I mean I, I can't imagine Michigan losing all 5 of these games with the team that they're going to have. Um, but if, if but you expect you don't
0: expect them if you're setting the odds fairly, they shouldn't be favored by any more than the customary home field advantage in any of these.
1: No. And so if we if we disregard the Notre Dame cuz like we said it it would be a great thing to win, but it honestly doesn't matter for Michigan's goals cuz they're not playing for a national title this season. The goal has to be to get to the title game and to do that it all, you, we mentioned the cross-division thing earlier. The three games that you really got to focus on would be MSU, Penn State, and OSU. I can't see them doing better than 1-2 and two in those games. I really don't. So, Are
0: you suggesting that Michigan won't finish any higher than
1: third place in their division? Friend, I'm suggesting Michigan might have a difficult time getting to third place in their division. We might not see the Michigan... Faithful returning once again to Indianapolis, the site of the Big Ten Championship game. An institution which of course has been dominated by Michigan since its inception, some several odd years ago. I'm suggesting that we might not <coughs> see Michigan be the champions of the West or the East, which is the division they're actually in. You might want to change your fight song. Get goddamn y'all.
0: <laughs> the, the, the the leaders and the beasts. There we go. Let's 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 do that.